Good morning, everyone. I'm Claire, part of the team here. If I don't know you, I'd love to meet you, um, but lots of you do know me. And today I'm going to be talking on loving one another, and we're talking about restoring relationships. I'll just start with this. Last weekend, one of my sons came, two of my sons came home. They live in London, and they came home to visit. And when he came home, my son Finley, he's gorgeous, um, of course, and... Um, <laughs> He's handsome and tall and he's got blonde hair and bright blue eyes. And I thought to myself, oh, you just look so nice. That's what mums think sometimes. And then he went off to um, see his brothers. Hold on a second. Went off to see his brothers. And um, a few hours later, he came back in and he, he looked awful. He looked like a ruined man. His face was grey. His clothes were filthy, they were torn, and um, he came into our bedroom and he sat in the armchair and he slumped in the armchair and didn't say anything. I said, what is wrong? Are you okay? And um, basically, he's to totally fine. He just spent the, the afternoon with his brothers doing what they do best, which is this. My sons are obsessed with cars. <laughs> And they love restoring cars. And my son Finley has restored 25 cars. He's only 25, so he's doing well. And that's what he'd been doing all afternoon with his wrenches. And this is one of my favorite pictures of my son's. And it's a Facebook post of mine from a few years ago. And it said, um, if you break down on the motorway, um, if you break down, you need a Thompson around. Because there they all are. And in the background, there's a guy who's also broken down. I only noticed this afterwards. Now, he's looking very jealously at my four sons, my three sons and Greg, who uh, seem to know what they're doing as he's phoning the AA. Anyway, they're into restoring cars. And one of the realities about restoring cars is it's very dirty. It is a dirty job. And um, one of the things that my sons love is wrenches. Do you know what a wrench is? This is a wrench. Do you know what that is? It's, it's for doing, undoing really tight, hard nuts and undoing them. And you need a wrench and you need to know what wrenches are for if you want to restore cars. And um, I have overheard them talking to each other sometimes about wrenches. They love them. And they say things like, are you going to do wrench Sunday? And what they mean by that is spend the whole afternoon on Sundays undoing nuts and bolts in their cars. So wrenches, why am I talking about that? Restoring relationships, because restoring relationships is dirty work. It is difficult work, and it can be something where you really have to get down into the deep, dark, dark depths of the engines of our lives and to work out how to get things running again in a broken relationship is dirty work. And we're going to touch on it now. And, but actually, in reality, much of the life, the Christian life that we lead, um, is about restoration within relationships. If you think about it, much of the pain in your life that you have ever experienced will have come from relationships where there's been a breakdown or pain or hurt or sorrow. In fact, I don't think there's anyone who escapes that reality. And restoring damaged relationships is dirty work. And 
sometimes you need a wrench. So in a minute, I'm going to talk about some tools for just some very basic tools for beginning to work on restoring relationships. The Bible in Genesis 33 talks about two brothers. Lots of you will know the story, Esau and Jacob. And Esau and Jacob fall out big time because Jacob treats Esau really badly. And the story is full of human stuff, jealousy, pain, anger, secrecy, um, doing really sort of like awful things and basically cheating and abusive behavior. And at the end of the story, it's a long saga. There's this scene painted where Jacob decides after 20 years away from Esau in a strange time, and he comes home, and he decides to come home, and he is full of fear and trembling. And he has no idea of the reaction that Esau is going to have to him. Um, but in Genesis 33, this amazing moment happens where Esau runs to meet Jacob and he embraces him and he throws his arms around him and kisses him and starts to weep. And Jacob says this. He said, when you welcomed me and I saw your face, it was like seeing the face of God. It's an amazing line. And in so many ways, restoring relationships gives us access to something of the nature of God. And it, we may be at our most God-like when we are willing to forgive and bless our enemies, as Jesus taught us to. It's hard stuff to do, but it is a point of access to the grace and glory of God and the glory of you the most amazing aspect of who you can be. And so I just start with a, that, that thought and the question, you know, wh where's that hit home for you? What's your story of relationships and restoration? Because all of you have got a story. And are there any stories that are kind of halted mid-journey because restoration hasn't happened yet? What is that like for you? And are you the one stopping it because it's really hard to forgive and move past it? Or is there someone who's holding something against you? What is that journey like for you? And is there anything that we can do? So we're just going to read um, a Bible passage, well, a few Bible passages now, just to sort of... Um, the Bible is full of stories of how to forgive and restoration. In fact... From the beginning to the end, there's almost this restoration theme of reconciling to God. Paul sums it up saying, you be reconciled to God and then you become reconcilers. But really, all the stories of the Bible have reconciliation in them. There's friend-to-friend -friend reconciliation. There's Jesus with Peter being reconciled. There's God being reconciled to his people. Reconciliation and restoration is a huge biblical theme. So you could have picked so many passages, and here's, here's a couple. Um, this is from Ephesians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace, this is from Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. And the words of Jesus in Matthew, if you are, yeah, if you are offering your gift at the altar, your worship, if, you, if you're worshipping God and remember there that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And finally, forgive us in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You just basically can't get away from it. Every teaching in the New Testament virtually has this consequential act that has to happen about reconciliation and healing and the truth coming out. Forgiveness always is, is such a huge theme and in the Bible. But So before we talk about these tools, I just want to say a few sort of disclaimers. It's a really big topic and actually, our culture has got a really unhealthy perspective on relationships generally, as we know. And there's a lot of stuff that is coming out in our culture that is really toxic. And one of the things is the media, the way the media plays on broken relationships. And think people who have done bad things to people and people who are on the receiving end of bad things. And the way the media stirs the pot is really unhelpful. One Christian magazine said the media is religiously illiterate, so it doesn't even understand if it's commenting on stuff that's going on in the church. Sometimes it doesn't understand what it's talking about. And there's all this stuff going on where people's choices about how to empower themselves when they've been hurt are kind of part of our culture and their choices aren't always the healthiest or the best things to do. And so the culture that we're swimming in is not giving us any guidance on how to be a restoring culture in the church. Second thing to say is people can be restored, but not all re relationships can be. And I'm just going to put that out there, that forgiveness can always happen. You can always forgive. Worst things can be forgiven. But reconciliation isn't always on the table. And not everybody needs to be in relationship with people that have hurt and harmed them. Thirdly, power imbalances can make restoration really tricky. That's just a, a sort of principle to think about. Is that when somebody has hurt or harmed somebody else and there's a power imbalance, then it's really hard to navigate the path of restoration. And you need things like outside accountability, you need other voices, you need people who are less involved and drawn into the situation. Which is why on our website we've got a complaints page. And if you look at the complaints page, you'll see that there's a process which invites outside voices if you decide to make a complaint. And it's important to us as a church that we're accountable and open because the church worldwide is in a time of reckoning around things that have been hidden, where relationships have damaged other people, and it's coming out into the light. And God is a God of light, and he will overcome all darkness in the end. So there's a few big disclaimers, but I just want to go into some ideas of how, so just some tools, some wrenches, if you like. If you feel like in the ordinary cut and thrust of life, you need to have some tools to work out how to restore relationships. And I just want to say that 
Honestly, this church is an amazing place where restoration happens all the time in relationships. There's a, a culture here of forgiveness which is really amazing. And lots of you sitting in the room now are veterans of this war to forgive and to be restored. And it is, it's a hard thing to do. I'm just going to read you quickly some quotes from people who walk among you. These are people who are part of this congregation who have been through restoring relationships. This is one person. Hurt tore through every aspect of our life like a forest fire and we wondered, should we just give up on our relationship? We realised we had to choose. So we put new boundaries in to protect the new shoots of recovery. We tended to them and watered them, even when feeling angry and hurt. And it was hard, a head choice. We had to trust that our hearts would follow, and they did. Now, our relationship is much more resilient and mature. We help talk more openly and use it as a source of hope for others. It was so painful, but God has done amazing things through it. Next one. Restoration. This is somebody else's notes from the battlefield. Restoration takes willingness to be vulnerable and accept your role and forgive yourself as well as the other person more than once, sometimes over and over. I found that restoration was not an event but a journey and I had to be willing to keep going and to compromise on negotiable things. Next one. It's a bit like when you have a cut, if their clean cuts heal. And I noticed that my spiritual state really affects the healing process. If my soul is well, healing continues quietly till one day I realize that it doesn't hurt so much. Or I've even forgotten the details of the moment when that pain was felt so acutely. And the last one, I longed for restoration in my family, but I had to learn to trust God. And in the hard times, I had to believe he is a God who never gives up. And in the meantime, I had to be open to what God wanted to do in my own life. I realized I had to accept that the other person has a choice whether to respond to God or not. And so do we. Don't give up, this last person says. Restoration can come when you least expect it. Amazing thoughts. And from people who know what they're talking about. So... Here's my five tools that I've picked out, and I'll, I'll go through them, and then it'd be just great to pray together. First one, what is your story? One of the kind of realities of walking with God and knowing, with, knowing God is that you have got a story of your introduction to God. And your story is like an orientating fact in your journey with God, how you met him. How you first experienced being forgiven yourself. How you were rescued and pulled out from where, whatever fire or place that you've been in. Your story is the grounding point for how restoration happens in your life. How God has restored you. And it is your reference point for how you work on restore, restoration in relationships. And that's kind of like a fundamental principle, is that what God has done in you is what can be done through you. And he loved you before you knew him. And he chose you before you knew him. Toza, one of my heroes, says, God's always previous. 
He's the initiative taker and he took the initiative in your life when you were still a sinner. He died for you. That's what Paul says. And that is the orientating fact of your life that allows you. It's like a springboard. Because from that springboard, you can offer hope for restoration for other people around you. You can offer forgiveness when it's totally undeserved because you've had undeserved forgiveness. So if you're in that process and you're thinking, how do I restore this relationship? How do I sort this mess out? Where's the starting point? Starting point is what God has done in your life and you remember it, you hold on to it and you ground yourself in that reality. I have been loved, rescued, forgiven, cleaned up, sorted out and given a new perspective on life and because you have done that in me God by the power of your spirit it can come out through me my story can be a healing story for other people and for some of you that is what we've seen your stories have ministered so much grace and healing to other people so that's your first place is Yeah, that's your first place. The second place, I just realized I haven't got the right notes here. Acknowledge hurt. Here, this is really important. Sometimes people think, if I forgive, I've got to dumb down what happened to me in order to forgive. Because the main event is the grace that is coming out of me. But actually, you're not going to, I'm saying this from experience of doing wholeness all these years and praying with lots of people. You're not going to get anywhere with forgiving and offering restoration to other people unless you have you have acknowledged hurt when it's been when you've been hurt and it can be a very painful thing the reality is is that when we're hurt one of the things that happens to us is we often shut down we kind of become a bit hardened we become a bit toughened in life and so we become a bit detached from the things that we have been the our hurts and our pain and yet, in order to really go there and become a restoring, healing person who actually has got um, the ability to forgive others, you've got to acknowledge the hurt. And, you know, maybe a Sunday morning isn't the best time, but I'm just saying to you that find ways of acknowledging the hurt. Find ways, that, find people that you can meet with. Sometimes the best person you can do is meet with a friend or someone who can pray with you you can sit with you. That's why we, what we do on the wholeness course. We sit with people and we hear the stories of hurt. That's what you've got to do. Because God wants to hear it from you. And he wants you to know and understand what it's done to you. That's the... Thanks. <laughs> acknowledging the hurt. Sometimes acknowledging the hurt to us isn't the only thing. Sometimes we've got to acknowledge what we've done to other people. And honestly... Some of us have been abusive to other people. Maybe we haven't intended to. Maybe we've never thought of ourselves in that way. But maybe our anger has become a tool that we have used to control people. And we might be sorry when we're angry. And reality is, is that if you're sorry when you're angry, that's one thing. But it doesn't take away the, uh, the zone that you've created around yourself that is scary for other people to enter into. Anyone who's been in a relationship with somebody who's been used anger as a tool to control them will know 
that when they've said sorry, you don't stop treading lightly around them. And so sometimes relationships, part of acknowledging the hurt is acknowledging the hurt that we have given to other people. What is my part? Talk to God about your part and about other people and what they've done, what's happened to you. Third tool, learn how to forgive. Why learn? Because it's not instinctive. Forgiveness isn't the first place that you go to when you're hurt. Often, it's the last thing you want to do because we fear when we forgive that somehow we'll minimize something that has been done which is really damaging to us or that somehow we'll let somebody off the hook. And actually, forgiveness is something that it isn't that. It's not about letting people off the hook. Whenever I pray with people and, and try and help them forgive, I always say, the first thing you've got to do is say, you did, some, you did something to me that was really bad. You harmed me. What you did to me was evil. But I choose to forgive you, not because of you, that you're restored or that you've changed your mind, but because of who I choose to be, a person who gives mercy rather than judgment. Paul writes in those verses, bear with one another. Forgive your grievances. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, going back to that orientating thing. Here's a quick quote from Danny Silk who sums up why, what forgiveness is all about. It's a really good quote, I think. Forgiveness is not telling someone that the wrong they did wasn't wrong. It's not saying they shouldn't experience consequences for their sin. It's saying, I'm not your punisher and I will not be acting as your judge, jury and executioner in this matter. Instead, I'm going to take the pain of this violation to God who judges all. And on the cross, he absorbed the entire cost of our sin to open the door to healing and restoration. So I'm taking my pain to him and trusting that he will be faithful to heal and restore me from this loss. And I want him to do the same to you. That is an empowering prayer. It's saying that what you did to me doesn't get to define me. And I'm handing over to God the judgment. Fourth tool seek to understand understand how it got to this place and in fact people who experts on restoration of relationships say that one of the key sort of breakthrough in restoration of relationships is trying to understand rather than just improve your communication Have you ever notice when you're having a row that what you really want to do if you're having a row with somebody is just keep on laboring your point over and over again until you say it the best so that you totally convince them that you're right. And experts on restoration in relationships say your prime thing is to understand. And in fact, you've got greater chance of winning them over to your viewpoint if you understand what they think than if you just say it better. So, seeking to understand. Sometimes we need a mediator, a mediator who can come and help us understand. And fifthly, the powerful tool of blessing your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for them. Don't persecute them. Bless them. I mean, it's, it's the most radical upside-down thing, one of the most upside-down things he ever said. But when you reach the place of being able to bless your enemies, you've got a tool in your hand that says, what you have done has not defined me. This is who I choose to be, a person of mercy, not a person of reaction. And it's all over this room, 
And throughout our church, people are doing this all the time. This is a church where mercy is really important. You know, when I first came here 20 years ago, the very first song that I heard uh, sung here was, Mercy is falling like sweet spring rain, and you were leading it. I thought, oh, it's a bit cheesy, <laughs> this, <laughs> the worship here. But I remember that the lines of that song, mercy is falling like sweet spring rain. And not long afterwards, I felt God speak to me about this church and say, this is a place that is going to demonstrate mercy. I want it to be a place where people get to know what the mercy of God looks like. And that is why this stuff is so important to us. Why for you, what happens in your life, God is going to use as a tool to demonstrate mercy. Remember Jacob saying to Esau, when you received me favorably, it was like seeing the face of God. So that's our challenge really. And it's a painful challenge. It's dirty work. It is. You might need a wrench in your hand to go there for some of the things that have happened in some of your relationships and our relationships. But this is a place where mercy triumphs over judgment. And actually, you know, we sung those words and I was saying about how Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The reality is, is that the truth is all that we need. We don't need anything more than reality. Don't need to soft soap over the things that people have done to us or hype ourselves up. We need to go there with the truth because the truth sets us free. And so my prayer, I'm going to pray now. And just remembering that this is a journey, it's not a moment. So I pray, God, for all the things that this subject touches, which can only be so lightly touched on all the hidden pain and suffering around relationships that all of us have experienced. I pray, pour out your Holy Spirit, pour out your grace and your mercy, your truth-telling. Let us see the truth of who you are, who you call us to be, what is possible May you know the power of the Spirit where you're stuck. May you know it like a wrench that is able to unstick things that have been so tightly locked down in your life. May you know the grace, the oil of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit to help you find restoration and to be a restorer. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.